The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. No my hockey mic yeah the fold in mehine called the hungry talking my guest this week is Kate Slater who is director of content for TVNZ this is basically a retread not a retread a, a the, the the sort of the flip side of last week I spoke to to Glenn Kine from discovery about the uh, their their upfronts this is in response to TVNZ's upfronts a week later and it's, it was a very similar kind of presentation. Ultimately, you know, these things are often in-person and very fun events. I once ate quite a large amount of wasabi in one go at one of these, uh, thinking that it was avocado. And um, that was really not a great experience. And Jack Tame, who was, was with me at the time, uh, recounted the, the story on News Talk ZB. So in some ways, the fact that these things have gone online at least prevents me from kind of humiliations on that scale. Uh, but they are a bit less fun. But in some ways, the, having online upfronts means that you can really engage with the, the substance of the content itself. TVNZ, you know, they... they there were two things that were really notable about the upfronts for me. One is, uh, you know, it, it started off. I don't think there was more than a few words in in English, and until like so we were three or four minutes in, they're, they're calling that Aotearoa Tanga, and you could see very much the emphasis. Uh, and Kate refers to this as a, a sort of a biculturalism and a multiculturalism that has really risen so palpably in TVNZ, particularly of the past couple of years. So we get into that a bit. We get into the the role of drama and particularly local drama for TVNZ. There was more of that than I anticipated given how costly it is. And she talks about how some of the, the sort of intricacies of, of the funding of that. The, uh, the fact that there is a lot less uh, sort of international reality TV franchise uh, translated for a New Zealand audience is quite interesting to me. In, in some ways, it's perhaps telling that Celebrity Treasure Island was their big reality hit of the year, not The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, and that might have given them a, a bit of renewed confidence, not only to renew CTI, but to, to sort of say, well, we can revive franchises. And, and one of the others they're doing is not a reality show, but it's Duck Rockers, which is sort of part of a Sione's Wedding cinematic universe in a way. So there, there's a lot to chew on there. We, we also get really into the, the strategy. The first thing that, that Kenrick talks about is, is on demand. He's openly talking about uh, 
the the sort of decline of linear and the importance of digital and that that is confronting stuff and um, especially given the upfronts primarily exist for advertisers so that's them saying hey you need to change the ratios of your spend spend less on linear as the audience declines spend more on demand that that's essentially the the hard to miss implicit uh, message there. Uh, the other stuff we talk about is is very much you know classic fold in the weed stuff you know content deals uh, distribution side stuff the fact that there is a lot more you know shows moving between platforms now you've got uh, Di Henwood moving from from three I didn't get the the sort of word on whether that's a an exclusive deal or just for Lego Masters uh, Broken Wood moving from Prime. Uh, and and Heartbreak Island uh, moving to TVNZ, sorry, and Grand Design New Zealand's moving moving from from three as well. So it just feels like there's a lot more fluidity there, which is very exciting for a nerd like me. Uh, basically, if you listen to this podcast, you're gonna this podcast being the fold, then you're gonna want to listen to this episode. You know, TVNZ is probably the the biggest and most prominent of all our media companies. It's really well run. It's got really interesting strategy. Kevin Kenrick just hosted his last upfronts. We talk about his legacy too. But the point being that uh, whatever TVNZ does is always inherently very interesting to watch. So enjoy this episode with, with Kate Slater on The Fold. Just before we do that, I want to thank Vodafone for making The Fold possible. Uh, right now, we, we, I'm, I'm speaking through Vodafone's network technology. Our whole uh, business is run on it. So if you are looking for uh, really, really world-class uh, internet connections for your business, check out vodafone.co.nz. This is Kate Slater on The Fold. Tēnākwe, Kate, and uh, welcome to The Fold. Kia ora, Duncan. It is awesome to be here. Uh, so I want to start by, I've just watched the upfronts, and so I've got all of the kind of information overload uh, that comes with those those presentations, um, particularly in this sort of digital era without without all of the extra sensory stuff that goes with, with the normal kind of live presentation. But um, one thing, I think it was the first thing you said on the um, uh, which which sort of struck me, and I feel like a good place to start, is that Aotearoa is what, what sets us apart. And that feels like something which is just so palpable almost everywhere you look with TVNZ now. And also something that wasn't necessarily the case five years ago to the same extent. As someone who's been there right through that journey, do you want to talk to me about you know, how, how that's happened and how it kind of manifests within the organisation? Yeah, look, I think it has been a journey. Um, and Aotearoatanga is, a, it's a great word in itself, you know, kind of translates to New Zealandness. Um, and I think as a nation, we are discovering our Aotearoatanga, we're on a journey. And um, and TVNZ, Te Reo Tātaki is our Māori name, and that translates as the leading voice. And so we very much see ourselves playing a role in uh helping kind of define what is, you know, Aotearoa's tanga or, or identity. Um, and so we are on a journey with Aotearoa um, and it certainly has been something that I've noticed within the organisation and outside the organisation since um, I've been there. I think even if you just look at the use of te reo on screen um, and the way that has evolved, uh, the way that... Um, Māori Language Week is celebrated every year and how that gets bigger 
and I think that New Zealand's ready for it. Um, it's certainly, we're seeing it within our organisation and seeing it outside. But for us, Aotearoatanga is definitely connecting um, with the biculturalism of um, of TVNZ and Aotearoa. Uh, and then also you'll see from our content slate very much um, celebrating multiculturalism as well and looking to tell all of New Zealand's stories. Yeah, I mean, I think it was, it was so manifest that there was probably within the first like three or four minutes there was maybe one or two sentences in, in English and the rest was in Te Reo, which which again felt really instructive. It almost feels like TVNZ has gone from a place of, and this was common I think for media of feeling like its role was to sort of reflect the what a, what a perceived broader or mainstream culture was to to sort of drive it and engage it and and feel like it it has that it should shape it in 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 a more active rather than passive way is that fair yeah look i think that's fair i wouldn't want to say that we're sort of shaping it so much as kind of reflecting the forefront of it um, and sort of where we think, uh, you know, the leading edge of it is. Um, And we definitely see our role um, as the sort of the nation's state broadcaster in that. Another thing that really stuck out was the fact that Kevin, and I I want to talk specifically about Kevin shortly because this was was his last up front as chief executive and I want to reflect on his his time there. But it, it felt very telling that the opening was... You know, our future is digital. Our primary competitors, primary competitors, are not, you know, three uh, or Sky, but they're the they're the global sort of tech companies. Um, and and you know, there was a talk about what's coming for to TVNZ on demand. I, and I'm old enough to remember when TVNZ on demand wasn't really it was a product, but it wasn't kind of considered and and shaped as a strategy within these upfronts. Tell me how that rise of digital and uh, how deliberate it was to place digital right at the very start of these. Well, it's been, yeah, certainly deliberate. I mean, it's been a deliberate part of our strategy probably for the last four years when we started investing significantly in TVNZ On Demand. And we, I mean, we see digital as the future. We know that TV audiences are going to decline over time. Uh, And so our job is to make sure that we are growing our online audiences faster than our TV audiences are decline. And our strategy entirely backs that up. Now, our, our linear channels are actually a big part of that digital strategy because what we're finding with our TVNZ On Demand growth is that it's a real mix of people live streaming our channels and our video on demand content. So it's not that, you know, TV channels as they used to be are passe and, and going to be, you know, out of fashion soon. Um, they're absolutely part of the mix, but it's it's the distribution technology is changing and how people are interacting with that content is absolutely changing. So look, it has been a yeah, very strategic um, focus. We know that is the, the the bigger game in the future will be the the global big tech competitors. I mean, Google and Facebook in the in the ad world and the digital ad world are behemoths, um, and we really need to step up our game and increase our scale even more than it is today uh, to compete head on. You're going to have to indulge me one of my own obsessions here. Do, is there any sort of frustration on, I mean, as if this podcast wasn't a complete tribute to that already, um, but is there any frustration at TVNZ side at the, the amount of sort of care and oversight and, and regulatory engagement that, that exists for you know, TVNZ as, as a platform versus the complete absence of it from the likes of YouTube and Facebook, which are, 
huge recipients of of spend, both from the government and and New Zealand more broadly, and kind of in some ways seem to benefit from the wild Ayn Randian, uh, you know, sort of quasi libertarian. Um, Elements of, of of how they're allowed to behave in that online space, where we're we're ultimately all hanging out. Yeah, it's a challenge, isn't it? Because we're sort of product of of a very um, regimented and and defined kind of broadcasting ecosystem. Um, and you even look at sort of restrictions on Sunday morning advertising, which is still in place, and mean that we can't compete head to head with a streaming platform if they want to be able to buy, you know, international sports rights uh, and monetize them by putting advertising around them. We, we can't compete. We're not going to be able to get the same return on that content if it's going to show up on a Sunday morning. So there are things like that that definitely the, the playing field is, is uneven enough probably anyway with the, the depth of the, uh, of the wallets. But um, it certainly would be nice to see a more level playing field, and I know that um, that there is a media regulation review underway, which I'm hopeful will look at that. Yeah, I've, I've heard sort of positive signs, but it, it, it's one of those very complex areas that uh, requires a, a bit of bravery on on regulators' hand because there's a lot of forces out there that are, will kind of will resist it. Part of um, what you just said that uh, before that struck me was this this idea of streaming linear as opposed to on demand, which a few years ago, you know, the, the idea of that was not it was, it was considered almost passe that, that people just wanted to kind of select, you know, do the lean forward thing. They wanted wanted to curate their own viewing experience, and that's still obviously the dominant paradigm. But even um, anecdotally, among sort of uh, friends and, and even my, my eldest daughter, the, the the sort of there has been, as often goes with these things, like a, a swing back towards the idea of, well, there's something in linear that you you spend your whole day choosing and um, and feeling like you're you're kind of assaulted by notifications and so on. The idea of actually having someone make that decision for you and curate an evening's viewing and have that sort of regularity to your week, it's gone from passe to feeling like this. there's a bit of a nostalgic glow to it. Are you, are you sort of seeing that reflected in the proportion of, of growth for, for streaming the channels? Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. I mean, I think the tyranny of choice is, can be crippling sometimes in deciding what to watch. Um, I think that we've got experienced programmers who have spent their entire careers working out what people like to watch on different days of the week at different times of the day. You know, it's a there's a, a whole art and science to it, and it's it's you know it's not just a whole lot of cobbled together shows. There is a, obviously a whole um, whole skill set that goes behind what any good day of the week might look like and time of the day. So I think that bringing that into a digital world and and that. I think could show up differently in the future. You know, when you you could actually look at how you curate playlists or or different ways of putting together channels as we sort of traditionally know them. But I think we've all been surprised by actually how well um, the simulcast channels are doing in digital and actually the demo split. It's not just sitting in older audiences, as you say, the the ones that sort of have grown up with with linear and and you know are still sort of heavy TVNZ one watches. It's broad, you know, and we are seeing kids engaging. We're seeing our rangatahi audiences engaging, and 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 across all demos, are watching those those live channels. Yeah, another thing that was kind of eye raising was this the the emphasis on one news 
online and it sort of implied, I think historically it will be fair to say that it was an area of heavy investment. The news was a core linear product that the 6pm bulletin was the kind of crown jewel of it and that, that sort of jumped off the, the, the schedule. Was the placement of it an implication that there might be more investment into that space so that it can kind of expand from you know, I think historically it was largely kind of taking pre-existing linear fragments and, and kind of giving them some, some wraparound support, but it didn't have the same kind of investment that the, the linear elements of it did. Yeah, no, that's absolutely intentional, um, Duncan. And I mean, you'll know as as well as uh, any of us uh, the, the challenging economics of, of digital news and that whole space. And so it's fair to say that we've probably invested more in our TV product and, and looked at um, our online product as being an extension of that. But but we know we need to be, we need to match our uh, TV news scale in the digital environment as well. And we need to do the job we've done with TVNZ On Demand in a digital space. So that is something that we are absolutely stepping up our focus on and investment in over the coming year. One thing which Kevin sort of, when, when I had him on the fold earlier this year, he sort of brushed up against, and I don't feel like we ever, you know, I had, had people kind of uh, sort of read what what he said in different ways. Was this idea of a, a subscription, a paid subscription product uh, to to sort of help balance the um, the ad ad funded uh, online portfolio, which is you know this is a, a very a classic of media is you know you you, you want to diversify your revenue streams and the the best way you can have a sustainable business is is a mix of uh, advertising and end user revenue. Has there been any more? progress on that front in terms of TVNZ's thinking or or what does the future look like if you, if you have sustained linear decline and digital uplift if you can't get the same kind of ARPU from a viewer there without you know that, that, that that's obviously challenging for TVNZ uh, no matter how much good strategy you do yes so we are continuing with that strategy we are currently in the in the um, first stages of developing our IP platform um, and we, this is a new IP platform that will ultimately replace TVNZ On Demand and sort of become the, the TVNZ distribution um, technology of, of the future. Uh, it'll be a multi-year project. It's a, it's a big job to do. And the idea with it is that we would be able to run multiple products and services off it. So that could be pay-per-view events. Um, it could be running a pay service. It could be... Um, partnership channels with with other um, distributors and really it's yeah it's about um, diversification of, of revenue streams but it's also about giving viewers choice uh, and you know if they want to pay with their wallet rather than their eyeballs as they do when they watch ad funded content that's ultimately a choice we'd love to offer our viewers no that's that, that's fascinating and uh, you know I guess the the thing that's interesting about it is is how that sort of interacts with the stronger public media uh, work. Do, have you got any more insight in, into that, or how is that sort of being? Is the the sort of in some ways the great unknown of that uh, hanging over the TVNZ as it as it navigates this this already difficult enough era? Yeah. So no more insight, um, but. Everything that we're doing, I think, is consistent with a commercial TVNZ or a public media entity future. I think that investment in an IP platform just future-proofs any media entity, um, regardless of with how, how they're kind of set up to deliver. And 
ultimately, we're about audiences, building audiences, serving audiences, and the stronger our audience base, the more we'll be set up to deliver public media objectives. Kevin, it was Kevin's last uh, upfront in charge. Do you want to speak about his legacy? Look, I think Kevin's been a phenomenal CEO. He has taken TVNZ on a digital transformational journey, which we're still we're still going on. And I, and I remember first starting at TVNZ when when Kevin would talk about transformation, and he certainly has delivered that uh, quite boldly so, and well ahead of where other free-to-air free broadcasters were prepared to really prioritise digital over a traditional linear business. Um, and I think that the investment in TVNZ On Demand, both from a content and a user experience and a marketing perspective, you know, the, the ongoing intentional investment in um, TVNZ On Demand and looking at TVNZ On Demand as being our, as our, it's the future of TVNZ. Um, and I think he has set that up well to move into the future. We have got a, a strategy that we are very focused on that makes a lot of sense, um, that's delivering for us. Um, and it very much is a, a legacy of the business being in great shape and well set up for the future. And um, cue succession theme music. Uh, who, <laughs> who, who's going to take over? Are you, would you, would you take the job if it were offered? Thanks, Duncan. Nice try. Um, look, we're all, you know, waiting to hear what will happen in that space. That's a decision for the board, and um, you know, I'm really looking forward to to finding out. <laughs> Very good political answer. We'll take a quick break and be back to talk about the the content side rather than the business side with Kate Slater from TVNZ. We're back with Kate Slater from TVNZ to talk about a thing that I think I uh, can get lost on sometimes and, and is easy to do when you're sort of really in the in the weeds of the business side is that this thing is about content ultimately. Uh, the, the, the business only gets to exist because of that. Can we start by talking about uh, my favourite show of the year, which was Celebrity Treasure Island? And not, not one that one that I thought, you know, knew I'd enjoy, but certainly not one that I thought would uh, be as sort of emotionally engaging and feel like it was kind of uh, path-breaking for, for New Zealand and that big Aotearoa-tanga um, project that you, that you mentioned at the top. Do you, do you want to talk about that show and, and you know, what, what it's become and, and how the success of it kind of changes it, its sort of emphasis within the, the TVNZ stable? I'd love to. I think we were all absolutely glued to our screens this year with Celebrity Treasure Island. It was um, fantastic casting. It was great to have it set in New Zealand. I mean, I think, you know, just the idea of them going kinna hunting, you know, in the rocks. I love just the elements of it that really brought, as you say, that Aotearoa tanga to, to life. Um, but you, you can't script that drama. I mean, that was natural, the beauty of reality, you know, at its best when you when you get those different characters and the way that they interplay. Um, and it is, you know, it, it, it's as compelling as a scripted drama, but completely unscripted. 
Um, I think it was a phenomenal series. We're absolutely thrilled with it, obviously. Uh, it delivered in terms of performance. Um, and we're trying to bottle that secret sauce and, you know, see how we can make it even bigger and better next year. Yeah, no, no pressure to, to, to follow that season on, on the casting front. Uh, a big point of emphasis for you, and this is actually where you're starting to see some clear air with um, with Discovery, is there was the, the amount of emphasis on on local drama and which particularly given that there is one more traditionally very big round uh, of New Zealand on air funding to, to come in a couple of weeks what well why what's driving that and you know this is a very expensive product versus uh, the, the the sort of uh, multi-night reality TV you know how, how are you continuing to kind of make the business case for that so drama is um, is different in that we won't fully fund it we can't we can't even be in a position where we fully fund a drama. In most cases, there have been some that we have um, fully funded for TVNZ On Demand and they'll be on a much smaller scale. But in general, if we're looking at a large broadcast quality TV um, drama, it's just it's beyond the business case to be able to fund that solo. So we're obviously very reliant on the support of uh, New Zealand On Air, um, Tamayo Paho, with the likes of Ahi Karoa. And more and more the New Zealand Film Commission and, and the way they administer the screen production grant. So, uh, and and that leads to sort of intentional co-production partnerships um, that have brought content like uh, Under the Vines, My Life is Murder, uh, Brokenwood Mysteries now, which is no longer funded by New Zealand On Air, but is, is funded with the help of the screen production grant. So that means that we can tell more of those stories. Obviously, the New Zealand On Air um, bucket of putia is is quite constrained when it comes to drama. So we love to be able to tell as much drama as possible and look for those alternative funding sources. Looking at the that, that space, I mean, Brokenwood Mysteries had a, had a long run on, on Prime and... You know, you've got you know Di Henwood uh, flat floating, sorry, fronting the the Lego Masters. In general, it feels like there's a bit more of a willingness to to sort of pick up uh, shows and and talent. I think there's one more I'm forgetting as well that that uh, that that sort of period where you know you you had your shows and your your stars and they just didn't mix uh, is sort of coming to to an end. Potentially, is that is that fair to say? Yeah, look, I think that is fair to say. I think you've seen quite a lot of moving around of shows actually recently, and if you look at Grand Designs, might be the other one you're thinking of. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, I think Master Chef New Zealand, you know, that's moved around Heartbreak Island. You know, there are a number of shows which do move around um, as priorities change for different networks, and actually, as the right platform to get them to the correct audience kind of changes. So I think we've seen that evolve over time. And something like Broken Wood Mysteries, you go, actually, its natural home is TVNZ1. It's, it's found it, but it needed to grow to that. Uh, and it took, a you know, several seasons um, to do that. Um, and it's absolutely delivering for TVNZ1 and for TVNZ On Demand as well. Dark Rockers, the, the, the sort of Sione's Wedding prequel, it's quite interesting to me in that it's like a... It's an it's original comedy. It's kind of taking, but also takes from sort of existing IP that New Zealand has a has a pretty strong relationship to. to tell me about how that how that show came about, and and about the way that comedy seems to be rising in terms of uh, TVNZ's relationship with it, particularly on on TVNZ two. Yeah, well, if we start with that question around comedy, because I think you have seen 
uh, a reinvestment in local comedy with TVNZ2 um, and TVNZ On Demand, remembering that all the shows that we make for our channels, you know, we make for On Demand as well. And that, I think, TVNZ2's backbone used to be US comedy. It absolutely used to drive the schedule. And as that waned in sort of popularity and a lot of that audience instead preferred to stream that kind of content, we um, needed to turn back to New Zealand comedy. And that's been an intentional focus over the last few years. And it's been in both the the scripted and unscripted space. Um, I'm really excited about Duck Rockers um, being in that scripted space. I think we're constantly looking at what IP we've got that we could reinvent. And I think Celebrity Treasure Island is another great example of that, right? Um, And this with South Pacific Pictures um, was one that we were super excited about. Great telling a Pacifica story. Um, the, the, The thing I love about Duck Rockers is that I think it'll appeal to two very distinct audiences. It's, it's you know, teen um, breakdancers. So we're going to appeal to that younger audience. But then it'll absolutely appeal to those who were there for Sione's wedding and, and have a real nostalgic kind of um, hankering for that content as well. So very much delivering twofold, much in the way we saw with Panthers this year, which definitely sort of delivered across the board, but particularly to rangatahi audiences. And I think we were actually quite blown away by the strength of that content with the rangatahi cohort. In terms of the the new reality uh, franchises, it feels like there's a conspicuously less of the sort of imported franchises idea with the exception of Lego Masters which you could argue is, is more of a game show than a reality show anyway you know so you you don't see the likes of Bachelor and Bachelorette which which uh, featured this year is that a deliberate move and, what, and if so what's driving it look I think we're always looking for fresh content and I think we're wanting to surprise our audience and bring them something new so we are looking for the next thing so we do have some exciting new formats um including ones that we've made a lot of effort to co-develop here. So 60 Seconds, for example, is a format that we've worked with Warner Brothers on um, to create a New Zealand original reality format, which ideally could be exported internationally and other broadcasters will make their own versions of. But first and foremost, we're making it for our own audience. And we really wanted to take the talent genre forward to the next next step, sort of what The Voice did for for the um, the singing talent um, format. So we're really excited about that one. Um, we haven't had a talent show on screen for a while, and I think this one will definitely just take it to that whole next level. Yeah, it felt like I actually wanted to talk about 60 Seconds because it, it, it seems like a way of taking – the sort of uh, the very fragmentary, very fast world of sort of TikTok, particularly, but also Instagram stories, and the way that the the, the conception of, of talent and communication that comes through that, and bringing it to a linear audience with with all of the um, yeah the, the positive upside that that provides. Have you have have you cast that? What's the kind of current status of that? Because again, it, it does feel like that's got a really high ceiling in terms of its success and its ability to be exported at an incredibly low floor. Like that that could, if if it just for some, some of these things don't work and you have to take risks in television, but it, but it could, could totally feel like um, 
you know, how are you doing, doing fellow kids, kept to the back, kind of kept to the side situation? Look, there's always a risk with new shows and existing shows that, you know, they don't find as much of an audience as we like. But um, certainly we're, we're aiming high with this one. And the cast is looking incredible. So the talent, I mean, it's incredible the talent that we've got here. And I think that the the longer the distance between talent shows, the more you can you can find undiscovered talent or talent that is out there and just hasn't doesn't have the profile that it deserves. So it really is a mixed bag of um, the kind of talent on there. You know, stand up comedy, um, dancing, uh, magic, um, singing of you know the usual but surprises in there. Um, you know, look, I think it's definitely must-watch Fano viewing, which is definitely the that kind of sweet spot that you're talking to. You know, having that appeal for kids to watch with their with their Fano. Is there a show? I'm conscious that we're essentially out of time, but is there is there a show that we haven't discussed that's really stood out for for you? I, I you know, looking at the uh, Dame Fina Cooper biopic looks looks really really kind of ravishing and high spec and kind of impactful but but yeah what 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 sort of sticks out for you is something that the the we haven't discussed that tvnz has has got very very high hopes for in 2022 look there's there is so much that it is really hard to pick out one but one personally that i'm really looking forward to and there's nothing to see yet because it's early stages but um that's kid sister um, which is the um, story of a young Kiwi Jewish woman who is, um, I think she's 29, um, but, you know, in the Jewish world she is, she's careering towards spinster. Um, and I think it's the kind of comedy that we can do because of TVNZ On Demand and the risks we can take on TVNZ On Demand and, and the different audiences that we're trying to serve through TVNZ um, on demand. So, look, I've, I'm really looking forward to that one. As I say, it's it's early days, so nothing to see yet, but um, the scripts just laugh out loud, reads off the page. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. And then there's, look, there's a whole lot of international I'm looking forward to. Um, I read This Is Gonna Hurt, um, Adam Kay's best-selling novel last year, and was like, we have to get the rights to the BBC adaptation to that. Um, again, just a laugh-out-loud story. Um, so that I'm really, really looking forward to as well. But so much local, the breadth and depth um, is pretty insane um, and, you know, coupled with the best of the international as well, including through our new US um, deal that we announced today with Viacom CBS um, and our ongoing um, partnerships with our um, with our British distributors. Just before before you go, the, those uh, partnerships felt like for a while they they were everything, and then it sort of there was a sort of a period where it looked like they would all go away. That the the international streamers would just hold the hold the IP and distribute it themselves. Do you sense that there's a sort of a middle ground coming, or or do you think that you have to prepare for a world where there are less of these and and hence continue to sort of invest in into local in terms of filling out the schedule and the the infinity pool uh, that is. On, uh, on demand. Yeah, look, there's a whole direct consumer situation going on that you can't ignore, but there's a limit to how many services a, an individual is going to subscribe to. 
And the threshold at the moment seems to be around 100 million subs you need to build one of those scale global platforms. So I think there are going to be a group of those content creators in the middle who will be looking for distribution partners. And that's where I think our sweet spot is in terms of helping them bring their content to the New Zealand market. Because we want, yes, local is absolutely the core of our offering, but we want the best of international as well. And we want some of those really big um, international shows that kind of bring people to the to to the service and change their minds around the offering that we've got there, and then we convert them into you know the suite of content that's available. So um, through our partnership, Paramount Plus is is um, Viacom CBS's streaming service. Um, we've got Peacock, which is NBCU's streaming service. So we'll be getting those originals. Will be coming exclusive to TVNZ as part of those partnerships. No, it's it's uh, it's an exciting lineup. Uh, I, I have to say, and and just the 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 starting to be quite an emerging contrast in styles in some respects between Discovery and TVNZ. Just for the the local media nerds amongst us is uh, is fun too. Hey, um, thank you so much for for coming on the fold today, Kate. And uh, yeah, good good luck with it all. Uh, thanks, Duncan. It's been great chatting, as always. Kia ora e Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.